Hello everybody, Ben Rogers here, the Raptors Digest. Riker, we have some Toronto Raptors news about our, our main guy, our elite option, Pascal Siakam. This season made an all-NBA second team, which is a, a pretty high award for a guy that's coming into his own as his first year as the first option on a team. Well, bubble and playoffs non-considered. He's <laughs> deserving of the second team, Ben. All-NBA. Yep. It's a good accomplishment, and it's something to build upon. If you're looking at All-NBA based on playoff performances, that man would be bottom of the list, so it's lucky that that's not considered. Yeah, but we're, we're, we'll sort of get into a lot of things about Siakam because over the past week or so, well, since really the, the Celtics series started, there's been a lot of sort of slander on Pascal Siakam's name from Raptors fans across the league, and I think it's getting taken a little bit too far, especially where Siakam has proven he is capable in the playoffs. He hasn't proven it as a first option just yet, but he had a really good playoff run last year, but we can dive into Pascal Siakam's future and what we can expect from him in years to come, but when looking at the regular season and the jump that he made from last season, he there was definitely a significant improvement, particularly in his handle and his jump shot over the course of this regular season, Riker. Yeah, you look at what he was able to accomplish on a nightly basis, and he was very consistent and shooting threes at a much higher volume at a respectable percentage. And like you, like we said, when he was treated as the number one option for majority game, every game, and mm-hmm. the defensive intensity obviously picks up when teams focus on you like that. And for the most part, he was able to have his way in different places on the court, whether it's in the post, that mid-range fade that he likes to try, or stretching it out to three. And he was able to do it for the first bit of the season at at a rate that would put you in the top 15, 20 players in the NBA. Yeah, arguable in all NBA terms, he was put in the top 10. And yeah, you brought up the three-point shooting. He went from shooting 2.73s a game to 6.1, kept his percentages about the same, shooting about 36% from the three-point line. And as you said, he developed a handle where he could shoot these mid-rangers, where he could make these floaters. Obviously, he's always had the spin, but his ability to just post up players, particularly smaller guys during the regular season, was just something... Really, really nice to see from a elite guy, a guy that can get easy buckets. We saw Kawhi Leonard do it for the Raptors last year, but he he added a bunch of intangibles that were they were great to see, great for him to add into his bag. His shots went from twelve field goal per, field goal attempts per game to about eighteen, so clearly on a higher volume. And you brought it up; he was the the main focus for a lot of for everyone's defensive scheme when looking at the Toronto Raptors and. Even after an extremely hot start where he was averaging like 27, 28, he didn't come back down to, to, he didn't just completely fall off the map, I guess to say, because even though his game did come a bit more down to earth, averaging 23 points per game, seven rebounds on the season, he was still having big, big nights and pre-bubble and even in a couple games in the bubble especially before the Celtics series he was able to close games for the Toronto Raptors it was just unfortunate he didn't have the same consistency against the the top teams just yet well the reason that he was put in that second team above the guys that we'll talk about that didn't make the all-nba and the guys in the third team Tatum Butler you can mention the rest the reason that he's placed in there you can't you can't underscore being the number one guy on a team that had no expectations to exceed or to seed really high in the regular season, to do that on a nightly basis against good teams, 
And to have that type of record, you know, even if your consistency is a little bit up and down, to still boast that stat line on a winning team, second best record in the entire NBA, that's the reason that he got put in there. And unfortunately, I think it's it's pretty clear because he was able to do phenomenal things in the regular season, but sort of fell into the same rut that you could maybe put in the in the same vein as what Giannis would face in the playoffs, say that he's... He's able to take advantage of certain matchups, but then when the playoff time comes, you know, they switch out bigger guys onto him or guys that his quickness and his dribbling ability, um, you know, it's neutralized or bigger guys that his post-up is neutralized. So I think you give him a couple more seasons, he's just going to continue to develop Ben. Yeah, so I I guess we're we're through the the beginning of it. Both of both you and I will say it officially. He deserves this All NBA second team when considering what the the award is about. You, you're in agreement there. Yeah, absolutely. It's based on the regular season, and he had a fantastic regular season. Yeah. So so anyone that says he doesn't really deserve it, even though people might, especially in the during the playoffs, people are going to say Tatum is a better player. Some people might say Jimmy's a better player. Right? Like he played a superior regular season had a superior record to those guys this year so he he had to be the the all nba second team option over those players and obviously a ben simmons as well who we didn't really bring up but you know he he had a really poor season this year in terms of record wise and didn't underachieved with the sixers team that a lot of people thought would come out of the eastern conference but this leads to the bigger discussion Riker, that do you think Siakam will be able to translate that regular season ability to the playoffs as the number one option going forward? Because, you know, he showed that he's not a playoff choker in the sense that once the bright lights come on, he struggles. Because in the NBA Finals, you know, that game one, he dropped 37 points. He hit the the game, the series, the championship clinching shot over Draymond Green in game six when Kawhi had zero points in the, the fourth quarter in game six. Siakam really took over along with Fred Van Vliet. You know, he's shown that he can step up at the biggest of moments. But do you think that will be able to, to happen as the number one option, Riker? Well, he's got to work on some things, Ben, because, again, I as I mentioned, in the regular season, when teams are not as focused on game planning, you're playing so many games, it's tough to really say mm-hmm. what's going to be the best defensive set that we can throw at this team. He was able to really take advantage of mismatches, and most nights you're just going to match up based on position. And majority of the the bigs, the fours and the fives in the league, because not a lot of teams can play small ball. That's the way the NBA is going. But right now, there's still a lot of teams with slower bigs. So his improved ball handling was able to allow him to get into the paint at will, take advantage of those types of mismatches. And then when they put smaller, shorter guys onto him, this is the big difference maker. He was able to hit down his threes at a respectable rate. That 35-plus yep. percent, that's the reason that he is able to put up that stat line. Taking six threes per game, you're comfortable with that. He's going to put up his points, and those points that he puts uh, up on the board, they contribute towards the win. Whereas in the playoffs, they put out guys that take away or neutralize to an extent his ability to do dribble moves, to drive, because they're basically guards right and he's not at that Mm. ball handling level yet and then but they are a little bit shorter so you have the opportunity to shoot your three and then this is where he really struggled in the playoffs so if he develops that um, then you you bring back an aspect to your game where people have to get closer up onto you they have to be on your grill and then you can you know it's a lot easier for you to make a move uh, to tack on uh, off the dribble and get into the paint so as long as he improves and keeps on that then he should he should get better Ben that's what I, I think you're gonna say the same thing yeah, and that's that's the big thing that I think people have really 
just bagged on Siakam too much about this playoffs because his game, the three-point shot really opened up his game this season. That's why he went from a guy that was a really good starter, a really good second option on a team to a guy people looked at as an all-NBA player, a guy that people said, you know, maybe this guy could lead the Toronto Raptors out of the Eastern Conference. It was the three-point shot, being able to hit it off the dribble with a little hand in his face that just opened up the rest of his game to the point where he could drive because obviously Pascal Siakam's handle is not... Allen Iversons or something, or, or Kyrie Irving's, or any Fred Van Vliet's even. You know, he's not. A, he doesn't have the the guard esque ball handle, but it's good enough to the point where he can drive if there isn't other players sort of poking at him. And you know, the the spacing where he could blow blow by a player with his size and stuff allowed for him to sort of hide that handle, like it does with a lot of these slashing big men. And the reason that his drives and his post ups were sort of taken out because they didn't have to worry about that threat of a three point jump shot. Right, He went, as you said, from a 36% a respectable three-point shooter in the regular season, shooting six per game, mind you, too. Because, you know, some people shoot, say, 36% is pretty good, but it's not outstanding. But it's definitely a lot better when you look at the volume he's shooting because some players shoot 36% on one or two threes per game, and that's just okay. But shooting at a high volume, that number, as the number one option, is definitely a, a solid NBA, a good, really good NBA three-point shooter. But in the playoffs... That went down, particularly against the Boston Celtics series, because the Brooklyn Nets, he, he played fine in that series. We didn't really need a lot against Brooklyn to win. We swept them regardless. But he went down to 12%, Riker. 36 to 12%. And watching those games, those three-point shots were not all contested. It wasn't just you know, Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart clamped right into him on the three-point line. They were giving him open looks, and he was just missing. He was just missing. Maybe that's a product of the pandemic. Maybe that's a product of him not touching the basketball for a while. But I think that fact, he'll be able to to switch that up going right into next season once he gets more reps under his belt in a summer, or I guess, fall now of Rico Hines basketball. Yeah, you would certainly hope so. And you can look at other factors as well. I would say that it should be easier to shoot in a gym like they were in rather than a stadium closer walls, better depth perception, not as much nerves with the crowd going, but you could go the other way and say maybe having that sort of emotional support gets your confidence up more to take those big shots, but either way that you want to crack the egg, Ben, he really underperformed come playoff time, and the crux of it really did seem to be because of his three-point shooting, and somehow that confidence seeped right into his ability to finish easy floaters in the lane, you know, that mm. that classic turnaround sort of baby hook type jump shot type you know you know the one that I'm talking about when he gets that deep yep. post position where he he just sort of pushes the shot up that I mean that's his bread and butter Boston is not a huge team Tice can match up decently but it was usually Jalen Brown guarding him and if you can't hit those little baby hooks when you got deep post position I I, I mean it, it was like a Siakam that we'd never seen before and that's the reason that people were complaining justifiably so and bagging on him so much but you'd have to expect that with another year's practice um that he he's going to be able to tighten those screws a little bit and hey first year i mean this isn't jason tatum's first year at the helm of the boston celtics you know that yeah. you can make those comparisons all you want but he definitely outperformed jason tatum in the regular season and his first year as the guy uh, on a playoff team against a really strong defensive team in the boston celtics with a, a, another exceptional coach it, it You can kind of give him a little bit of forgiveness in that sense. Especially where he won the chip the season prior. Like, he's he's not been proven to be a playoff choker, you know? It, it's only really been one series we've seen him just, just 
fall flat. And, you know, the the big thing that people sort of overlook is Siakam said, now, the reason for this we can maybe go at him for, maybe he didn't have access to a gym or whatnot, but he came in and said he didn't touch a ball for three, four months, right? And, you know, if you're a someone like a Tatum, these guys that have been playing basketball their whole lives, that have been shooters their whole lives, bucket getters, you know, they've had the the 10 years, 15 years, even 20 years, depending on how old they are, 20 years of muscle memory reps shooting the same way for that length of time. Siakam only really became a shooter two years ago, three years ago. So, you know, and he picked up basketball obviously really late. So that extended break, particularly particularly with jump shooting and, you know, getting those consistent reps in, it's going to take a while for him to get back, get back into that rhythm, get back into, you know, shooting the same way that he was pre-bubble. So I don't know. Yeah. And, that's, you, and Ben, that's you ha- need to, mm-hmm. sorry, I'll just, you need to be able to actually train with trainers as well. Because if you're on your own, just yep. shooting outside, doing whatever, you're not going to have the the, you need you need to get that ball into your hands quickly and up quickly. You need to simulate that a defender is right there, that you're shooting off the pass. Mm-hmm. You you need to have a team with you. And I, if he wasn't committed to doing that, and when we were talking about is the NBA going to open or not, I was on the side. I was pretty adamant to say, I don't think it's going to come back. Right? You were you were on the complete other side. You said where there's a will, there's a way. We're going to see the end of the season happen. So maybe he was saying, well, this is it, but. Yeah, you can definitely question that a little bit to say, well, what are his priorities in that case? But it, yeah. it, you need to be practicing your reps. So I agree with you. Yeah, so we, we obviously don't know his situation. We're, we're not going to sit here and judge anyone for what they did during the middle of a pandemic, which is sketch and all that sort of stuff. But it, it clearly didn't lead, translate to whatever he did to wins for the Toronto Raptors or, you know, they almost won in game seven. But Siakam, the three-point shooting, I think, when that comes back. But the one definite positive I think we can take away from this playoff series, and the reason, because I and people have been bagging on DeRozan since he left and we won the chip, and since LeBronto and all that have happened. But, you know, people have been comparing Siakam's performance in the playoffs this year to, to Mars. Siakam was clearly a much better defender than DeMar DeRozan in this year's playoffs. He he really took on the matchup of Jason Tatum and handled him, regarded him as well as anyone really could have in, in these postseasons. So, yeah, shout out to Siakam for at least keeping the energy and keeping the effort really high, playing high minutes for, the, for this Raptors team and showing up on the defensive end and still attacking, doing the right things. I'm sure the... Obviously, all Raptors fans wanted him to hit more shots, but I think, as you said, more game reps, especially where he's still in his jumper, still a work in progress, and he was improving exponentially. Right, more reps, more just time in a gym, more experience as the number one option. He'll be fine. Yeah, and Ben, that's the reason he was somewhat playable. I questioned Nick Nurse at times, saying you're maybe letting the offense play through him a little bit too much when he's struggling. Like, at what point are you going to say, hey, this guy's not? producing but the real reason you could leave him out there is because of his length his athleticism his commitment to defense and how well that that Toronto Raptors team can play rotation D and slide out and challenge three-point shooters so that's definitely a big benefit if you are comparing him to say the likes of DeMar DeRozan or even a, a much smaller guy like if the Siakam was a, a guard then maybe you know if he's not pulling his weight on the offensive end it's a much bigger deal but um yeah mm-hmm. I'd agree I'd agree Ben yeah, so both you and I are in the same boat of this one. Not much debating on this pod. We we think Siakam will be able to bounce back. We think this season was more so a product of just poor shooting rather than something intangibly wrong with Siakam's game. 
that will plague him and for playoff woes for years to come. But who knows? We'll we'll see what happens with Toronto as they bounce back. We're not sure when the the regular season will come back now, but. You know, the, the Toronto Raptors will be fine. Let us know what you guys think. Shout out Pascal Siakam for winning an All-NBA second team. One thing I do want to mention, which might be a little bit of a negative and might rub some people the wrong way, is now that Siakam has won All-NBA second team, his contract goes up from 25% of the cap, Riker, to uh, 28% of the cap. So he's definitely making a few more extra millions now that he's an All-NBA performer. Oh boy, yeah, that is going to stir some... Stir some pots and ruffle some feathers, Ben. I guarantee it. Yeah, but, you know, shout out Pascal. I'm sure he'll bounce back. And this is, he wasn't even getting paid as a max player yet. So hopefully that, that performance will show up in the postseason next year. But what do you guys think about Pascal Siakam? Are you guys happy that he won this award? Do you think he'll be able to bounce back from a poor playoff performance next season? Let us know in the comment section below. And yeah, you're the best to make this far. Check out the Twitter, the Instagram, all the cool stuff. Riker, any last words? Uh, subscribe, please. Cheers. Yeah.